I was there. I don't have to listen to it. This week's show because it was a disaster. When you live in a beach resort, it's easy to forget whether you are playing or working. On each week's show, we settle in with a cocktail and try to figure out if there is a difference. This is Day Drinking on Delmarva. I am Todd from GoodCleanFunLife.com. And I am Tony Russo, no relation, and you're listening to Day Drinking on Delmarva, a show about life and culture and history on the Delmarva Peninsula. Todd drinks because he gets to live here. I drink because I have to live here. And just to make things worse, each week I read some of Delmarva history, and it just makes me drink all the more. <laughs> so much fun stuff to get to this week. Um we're going to talk about social media and, and your personal business, your private business. We're going to talk about the um, the Dewey Gala, mm-hmm. which uh, we'll get into more later. And, of course, we'll have our history section, which we've decided to name Wilfully Ignorant. And I will explain why in a second. <laughs> because history is Wilfully Ignorant. Yeah, and... I mean, I, I can explain it now. We we look up these stories, and these stories give us hints about you know about Delmarva's past, and we could dig into it, but we don't. Or more specifically, I don't. Um, I stole this idea. There are several podcasts that do this. Let's look at an old newspaper thing, and a lot of mm-hmm. times I'll listen to the stories, and they'll be like, "I wonder why that is," and I'm like, "Well, I totally know why that is because I'm familiar with that part of U.S. history," and uh, and so I feel like especially people on the peninsula or people who are familiar with the history of Delmarva, I feel like I'll say, and this happened. And they'll be like, yeah, of course that happened. You idiot. How do you not know that part? You know? So I don't want to take, of course, Jim Perdue was judging uh, the chicken festival. I mean, come on. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to steal from them the opportunity to say, um, you know, to say that they know more than I, than I do, because I would never, not take the opportunity to say that I knew more than they did if I did. Um, but before we get to all of that, we're going to talk about our sponsor, which this week is dragged into the light. The book, uh, the book, the website, the the full experience uh, by Tony Russo. That's the book that I wrote. Um, the fact, the fact, I don't know if you're trying to, because we did a little switch. We decided we were going to have you be the, this week's sponsor. Right. But the expression on your face, like, I mean, literally hand in or head in your hand. Yeah, it's <laughs> it went to it. Well, it's it's one of those things. There are several things I know a lot about, like too much about. That is one of them. And of course, Dragged Into the Light is a book about a conspiracy cult led by a woman named Sherry Schreiner. Um, it resulted in the death of at least one person and, you know, countless ruined lives and I chronicle it in in the book, and I also kind of wrote a podcast about it. But I have to turn that part of my brain on now because I'm not in that anymore. Like mm-hmm. people will ask me questions about beer, and I'll be like, tick 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 tick, and I got to yeah. click over to the beer stuff and say, okay, here's the beer history stuff that I remember. Um, yeah. And whenever people, that's that's one thing that happens on those podcasts. They'll be like, and then they said that they couldn't order, you know. They, that they went out and they got a growler and I nobody knows what a growler is and that kind of stuff. Um, right, right. Or right. what was going on in Delaware in the 1600s. I know some of that. And uh, but I have to I have to recalibrate. I have to I have to adjust my brain for it. But anyway, the reason that I am the sponsor this week is because I have uh, I have I have a book signing coming up. Um, 
two years and two weeks after my book has come out, I'll do mm -hmm. another signing at the Greyhound in Berlin. And um, as I understand it, and I only understand it a little bit, so I'm going to kind of read the um, signing release as I have it. Uh, there will be a panel in the morning from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. featuring three authors, and they are um, Stephanie Fowler, our friend, um, and Jake Jacobs, whom I don't know, and Joseph Copper, Coper, K-O-P-E-R. Um, those are those are the three authors in the morning. In the afternoon, it'll be me, um, the former mayor, G. Williams, who wrote a book, Turn Your Town Around. Can't mm. believe it doesn't have an exclamation point. And um, Brett Lewis, who wrote a book called Stardust by the Bushel about Hollywood on the Eastern Shore. And when that book came out, oh, okay. if I, yeah. yeah, if I if I had the show notes at hand, which I don't, I would tell you that we talked about that in episode X, but I feel it was like six or so months ago. If you just want to go back and scroll through the last six months, <laughs> maybe it will come up. <laughs> It'll come up. <laughs> I don't know why I'm, I don't know why people don't listen to this show. I'm so good at promoting. <laughs> so good at promoting and so much, so good at follow up and all of the things. But I am excited to go to the, to the, uh, to the signing. I'm excited to get back out there. I'm actually revamping my uh my website even though i said that i was getting out of the website business um i decided last week to get back into it for uh for reasons i could talk about the next time i'm the sponsor when the websites are actually up instead of just a plan in my head uh, but yeah. for now you can find everything about me um at by tony russo i'm sorry not really at if you go to by tony um that that should direct you to where my um where my stuff is. You can also go to dragged into the light.com. I'm sorry about the beeping. I didn't know that was on. Um, you can also go to dragged into the light.com to find out more about the book and to order it. You can order it through secret secret publishing. And of course you can off, you can buy it at the Greyhound bookstore where they're kind enough to continue carrying it um, and to continue selling it, which is, which is awesome. It's also available on audiobook If that's your thing, if you are a listener of this show, I say it every time I've given mm -hmm. away a couple, but if you're a listener of the show and you would like a free copy of my audiobook, uh, just email me. Um, my, my email address is by Tony Russo at gmail.com. That's B Y T O N Y R U S S O at gmail.com. Say, Hey, you said on the podcast, you'd send me a, uh, a free audiobook If I emailed you and here is me emailing you. So send me my damn book. Um, <laughs> I have uh, I have some friends that live locally, um, and they have uh, they have two boys. They're actually they're young men now, um, but when they were little, I have a Jacob's Ladder, which is a uh, it's a wooden. Tool oh yeah, 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 that, old school tool. Right, that falls down, um, and they really got a kick out of it. And I said, I'll tell you what, if you write me a letter, <laughs> I will I will have one sent to you. And so yeah. he wrote me this letter and it was like, you know, dear uncle Tony, um, you know, thank you so much for letting me play with your Jacob's ladder. I think I would like one of my own. Here's your letter. And then it says now pay what you owe. <laughs> 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 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> he was he was eight. He may have been six. Like <laughs> that, kid, that kid's going places. He was he was really little when he said it. <laughs> but I thought it was the absolute best, you know, because it's in those great huge letters, now pay what you owe. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, it's a treasured, it's a treasured, uh, it's a treasured letter of mine. Um, well, and, was, and I, I, did, you didn't mention, or you, uh, or we kind of glossed over the reason we're 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 back on Sherry Shriner two years after the the book release. Uh, it's it's finally going to have its day in the sun. Yeah, I, I've I've been contacted by another television show that may be interested in interviewing me about maybe doing another television program, but so. There's a difficulty that I don't know how to solve. I don't know how, you know, other authors solve it. They probably don't. Um, but so many people have done so much television based on my words that I think it more hurt sales than helps them. Mm. You know, it's like if you want to know the whole story, like the beginning and the middle and the end, there right. are so many options out there for you to find that out. Uh, a, a guy, a YouTuber just did, just did um, a very famous YouTuber. I guess we didn't even talk about that on here. No. It was when we were off and on. There was a YouTuber whose name escapes me, um, who did a, uh, one of, one of my, one of, I don't know if it's a listener of this show or a listener to the other podcast, but they reached out to me and said, Hey, my favorite YouTuber is doing um, Sherry Schreiner this week based on your book. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. So I looked up the YouTuber. Yeah. Like, 1.7 million followers you know really oh yeah yeah and and i watched i didn't watch the whole thing i kind of you know skimmed through it and right in the beginning it's like you know this is based on tony russo's dragged into the light you know and the uh the show had like six hundred thousand downloads i don't think i don't think it moved the needle at all people are like right. Right, well now now i know the story why should i buy the book <laughs> yeah, yeah um but you know yeah yeah i can see that if I go on a million shows and sell one book from each show, that's that's what I'll do if I if I have to do it. So if you want me to on your show, if you're listening to this and you have a show, call me. I'll tell you the story. I don't care. You know, I, I've I've said it. I said it when the book first came out, or even no, while you were writing the book, and I heard the I heard the podcast that was never published that that you voiced and. It was riveting. And uh, I mean, I I think I said it back then. I know I said it back then. It's like, this just needs that one push. And, yeah. and maybe maybe it's not that YouTuber. Maybe it's, you know, it, like it is such an interesting story. And it's so ripe for what the zeitgeist is all about right now. That like it's I, I feel like it's inevitable. I, I I I keep feeling like it's inevitable, and I think that's why I keep falling deeper and deeper into depression. It's like <laughs> I'm I'm halfway through another book. I'm about a third of the way through my next book that I'm writing, and yeah. it's just hard to look at the mountain that is writing the book after having yeah. written a book, and it's like this is you know this is a lot of work and. I know I'm not going to make any money from it. And I know yeah. no one's going to read it. And, you know, you feel bad. I mean, you know, I don't know that no one's going to read it. I just know that it is so much work and it is so difficult when um, it doesn't really catch on. But 
I mean, there's nothing you can do. I mean, I could either get a straight job or keep writing. And that's what I say every morning when I sit down at my well, straight job. I'm, not driving. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give you uh, a, my thought on maybe something you could try. All right. Uh, in a little context about it. And it might make you more depressed uh, or it could change your life forever. So <laughs> the, uh, Natalie has uh, been consuming books at a voracious rate and she got in with uh with this uh with a, a text group of a bunch of the girls that uh some work some uh play up in you know our, our places of business up in dewey and the 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 name of the text thread is the smut club uh-huh. and and there are all of these fantasy style books that this group of 20 very prolifically read, is that right? Did yeah. I say that right? Uh, are, are just, are just like eating up. So maybe you take the Sherry Shriner story and you fictionalize it and, you know, make the, uh, the lizard people, the dark prince and throw a little smut in there and boom. I'm not going to lie. I think about that once a week. Really? Oh yeah, no. I think about that once a week. I, I, I think I think write it, write it from the write it from the perspective of the lizards. I think of that all the time. Oh my god, that's great! But I have that's four fantastic. other books that I I have four other books that I'm already working on <laughs> that I have to get finished. I can't, you know. Right. Um, I'm I'm certainly not Stephen King esque at all. But one of the things that you know people are always like, where do you get your ideas? Did we talk about this already? I mean, we've, I think we touched on it, but people, people are always like, you know, where do you get your ideas from? Where, where do the, and if I had to ask Stephen King a question, I wouldn't ask him where his ideas came from. I would ask him, how do you stop having ideas long enough to make one into a book? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. how do you stop having ideas? Not, not where do they come from? I know where they come from. They come from God or whatever. You know, mm -hmm. you see something you're like, oh, that's a great story. Here's how it would go. And then you're like, well, no, 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 no. I have. I have work I'm already doing right now. So, um, so that's our 14 minute commercial for me. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I had to bring up smut club too. I, I just feel like, uh, Oh no, I, 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 that, that is super cool. And it's, it's funny. There's, um, for, for as much nose looking down that people do at both serialized fantasy and romantic type fantasy, it is one of the one of the biggest selling, you know, it's yeah. like the joke about McDonald's. I'm not I'm not keeping it open. <laughs> you know, right, 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 right. <laughs> Somebody's buying this. Um, yeah, plenty of people are. There's a great comedian. Her name is Jackie Cation. You can see her for free on YouTube. And she tells a story about that. She said, you know, I'm a female comedian. And, um, you know, the guys are always like, this is what I see when I watch porn. And there's lots of jokes about watching porn. And there's lots of uh those kind of jokes and people laugh. And she said, but I get up here and I'm, and I mentioned that I read romance novels and everybody shuts down <laughs> like, Oh God, how gross is that? And she's yeah. like, and I tell you, I, you know, I'm, I'm not keeping the industry running all by myself. Um, so let's, let's switch over to you for a little bit because I would like to talk about the, the social media aspect. And I yes. would like to hear about how you met Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, well, so uh, meeting Arnold Schwarzenegger was great. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. 
All right. But it came it came up this week, and one of the things that we've we've talked about doing on the show is just kind of uh, for my job and doing what I do, digital marketing and working with bars and restaurants, is to at least offer on on this forum a little bit of uh, insights or best practices for what to do for your your business. Um, and mostly we're talking small businesses here because that's who we work with and that's the majority of businesses that are out there. And it came to my attention, a business that I will not name, but uh, not one of our clients, um, talking to a friend about essentially the pitfalls of posting personal stuff on your business social channels. And I know a lot of people who are like, I don't want to get into, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to get on social media because of the, everything that's toxic about it and everything that is consuming about it and what, whatever the reason is. And I understand that and respect it, but you know, it, it's kind of like having a construction company in ocean pines. You have to be in the yellow pages. You, you know, if you have a small business, it, pretty much anywhere, you have to at least have a presence on social media, if for nothing else, just so that uh, it adds a little bit of legitimacy to to what you're doing. A good way to limit that legitimacy, if you have a small business and a small market like we have down here, is to post your personal stuff, even even if it's stories or even if it is a beautiful picture of the beach with your family, uh, you know, that sort of thing uh, on on your business page. And. And there is and there is some nuance to it. We we talked about it on the show. I mean, as you said, if if you're if you are an actor and you're posting something on your Instagram page and it is of your family, that's at that point, your job. Right. So it's important to remember that when you're starting a small business, when you're building a small business, you are not at, at that, at that level. Right. People aren't coming for you. If you, if you make, you know, if you, if you sell pizza, people aren't coming there because they saw how much fun you had this weekend out on your boat. Yes. That might just make them say, well, then why isn't the pizza twelve ninety nine yeah. and he doesn't have a boat? I don't have a boat. <laughs> and I'm paying fifteen ninety nine for pizza. How about I pay twelve ninety nine for pizza and he gets no boat? You know, it's yeah. uh the the difficulty is that you're in in this world, people talk a lot. I mean, you talk a lot, we talk a lot. It's something that, you know, if you're a freelancer, if you know I have to have a personal brand. I don't, <laughs> but you know, everything, you know, there's no point in me having a separate personal and mm-hmm. um, professional, you know, social media presence. I mean, I have a, I have a professional page on Facebook, but my, my Twitter account and everything else, it's just the one for the, um, for people who are interested in my writing, but I write a mm-hmm. lot of different things. So the book has its own, not social media, but it has its own website anyway. But people expect to see all sorts of different kooky things from me because I write about all sorts of different kooky things. So that's my 
if I have a brand, that's what it is. But if you're if you're opening a bar or a restaurant or any kind of any any kind of retail business, any type of service industry business, even, you know, your your social media should really be focused on. I mean, you having fun while you're working, you doing yeah. stuff while you're working, anything that you wouldn't say to a client in their face at their home or right. in your place of business shouldn't be on your social media only because it just confuses people and it dilutes, you know, it kind of dilutes your brand, I think is, is what is the way that I would put that. Sure. Sure. And, and we're big proponents of, um, you know, a brand is about the people and the, the people make up the personality of the brand. But just as you said, it should be at least, uh, you know, at, anchored in anchored in the business and what you're doing and it's perfectly acceptable to have to build your personal brand at the same time you know uh like as long as you have the the idea that there is some delineation there and And as long as it can stay separate Uh, i mean as long as it can like legitimately cross over not stay separate legitimately cross over go ahead right and uh, you know uh, I mean, uh, I think probably a, a good case in point is uh, Monty, who is the uh, you know owner, one of the owners of the Starboard, but is the face of this the Starboard. He will uh, he he does an incredible job and just a very natural job for um, you know a guy who's uh, kind of pushing boomer status of being uh, very authentic. A, and, um, you know, and centered in his family and his business, but he doesn't have access to the starboard, uh, social oh, handles. So he'll post something. And then it's very easy for me as the social media manager to then share that. And, and it has, you know, great reach, but it's, you know, it's cherry picking those things. I don't need every vacation picture of him and his, him and his right. and girls, it's uh you know it's it's him with somebody and and saying something about the business it's astoundingly straightforward when you know when when you can is, does it have something to do with the business and it's your personal post it on your personal and then share it over you know it's, there's some great cross promotion there one of the things that I, I I've learned since working in the now I'm writing for the funeral industry. If this is your first show, I, I write for a magazine called American Funeral Director, among other magazines. And I am always shocked at the number of people who don't have their names on their funeral homes. Like I'll talk to Mr. Jones and mm. Mr. Jones is the owner of, you know, Smith and Sons Funeral Homes. And, you know, they buy Smith and Sons funeral homes and it's been Smith and Sons funeral homes since the 1840s. Right. And there's no there's no upside to changing the name and making it Jones and Daughters, even though Jones and Daughters are running it because people for generations have been going to Smith and Sons. And it's that brand recognition is stronger than the personal recognition. And so if you're business is built mostly on your personality think of the implications when you go to sell it if you decide that you want to sell your business to someone else and most of your marketing power is tied up in your personality that's going to devalue your that's going to devalue your business i mean if your business's social following is based mostly on 
your antics, that's fine, but it's not a selling point because the new owner might be like, well, I don't, I don't want to do antics and I don't want to hire anyone that does antics. So yeah. how is, how are your million followers valuable to me if I'm not going to do what you're doing with them? Right. And I think people don't always consider that all the way through that their social lives. I mean, it's still new for especially people my age, but your social life is going to outlive you, you know, and if you have yeah. a yeah. business that's based on your social life, when you eventually sell the business, get struck by lightning, any of those things, someone else has to be able to pick it up and to be able to pick up the voice that has made your business page so popular. And yeah. they can't do that if your whole, you know, if your whole social presence is you, you know, even just you talking in the car on your way to work. Hi, this is this is me. You know, oh, look at this idiot cut me off or whatever, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't work if it's not for the business, if it's for your own, if it's for your own pleasure or your own vanity, it definitely should be on your own socials. And if it's for the business and it, it features you share it. It's absolutely the best way to do things. I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I, I it is important to have both because there are, you are going to build fans and advocates if they can, if they're interested in your business and they want to get to know you more, then they can go to that personal spot. You know, like it, it's great to have both so that, you know, people who just want the business stuff, that's all that they're getting. And people who want to, you know, be a bit more involved, they have that opportunity too to do a deep dive. But let me tell you about the time that I met uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Please do. Please do. Spo spoilers. I did not meet Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, <laughs> however, one of my one cool thing is uh, that it is this time of year where there's not much going on. And we had the opportunity to have uh, to attend and to document the Dewey Business Partnership Winter Gala. So it is... You know, the, the time of year where Dewey, in all of its, you know, summer, frilly, fun, uh, is the, the business owners and the property owners and the people who love it get dressed up nice and nice and tight and have a uh, have a good old gala uh, at the at the Hyatt place in Dewey beach. And it's to raise money for the Dewey business partnership, which of course is a nonprofit that helps support, uh, some, you know, services and whatever the lifeguards, the volunteer fire guys need and, and, and that sort of thing. It's a, it's a, it's a great time for raising money. And that's, and that's what we did. And my dear friend, uh, Steve Tomes was there and, I posted a picture on Be Real, and Tony's like, "When did you meet Arnold Schwarzenegger?" <laughs> he he did look enough like a fifty-year-old Arnold Schwarzenegger, just a thinner, you know, thinner, but you know, very good shape. Clearly, clearly takes care of himself. You know, yeah, very, yeah. very, you know. Um, I'm going to say square head, but not in a bad way. No, you know, no. very, very Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes, yeah. And I can't, I can't wait to tell him that. 
Well, and it, it is funny because the, the text exchange was, uh, I'm like, are you good for this week? And you said, yes, absolutely. Can't wait to hear your story. And like, I sat on that for a minute and I didn't know if like you had a good story, like a good history story that you were going to tell me or, uh, or if I, I didn't know exactly where it was coming from, but it all made sense in the end. Um, speaking of history, we're going to move right on to our willfully ignorant section. Um, I'm going to change. I have a peach story that I'm going to save because it's very long and we're running a little long as it is. So I'm going to read you two short stories about Berlin. I'm sorry, one about Berlin and one in Worcester County. This is from May 3rd, 1938 in the Daily Times. Um, there's there's so much wonderful stuff in this. It's it's a shame you're not all reading it with me, but um, I'm going to just read this word for word because there's no better way to do it. <clears throat> oh, boy. Berlin farmer uses mock auction sale to punish his son. This is in the newspaper. This is on <laughs> page 13 of the Daily Times, May 3rd, 1938. Um. L.J. Cathel, East Berlin farmer, adopted a new note in meeting out punishment for disobedience on the part of his eight, remember this number, eight-year-old son, Wilson. Oh, my God. But the plan worked. Yesterday morning, Cathel said he planted 200, 200 hills of butter beans. He told his son, Wilson, to tote that bean pole, that's in quotes, to the hills from a nearby woodpile. His son said, Cathel, his son said, Cathel, balked and refused to help. Cathel said nothing. Yesterday afternoon, the East Berlin farmer came into Berlin to make some minor purchases. He, he induced his son, Wilson, to, come to accompany him to town. Once he arrived on Main Street, Cathel collared his son and began to auction him off to passerby. He offered to sell the boy for 14 cents, claiming that was about all he was worth. Street passerby took the matter jokingly and refused to bid. Seeing that his father was bent on disposing of him, the boy, again, age eight, <laughs> almost in tears, promised he would behave in the future if only his father would call off the auction. Farmer Cathel winked knowingly at passerby and returned home. Last night, he told town folk that Wilson not only had toted all those bean poles, but had chopped up all the wood on his wood pile as well. Oh man, eight years old. Ah, better days. Make America great again. <laughs> you know, it's too bad we can't fake auction our our like pre-adolescent children. I don't want to make a promise that I can't keep, but. I'm going to see what else I can find out about Wilson Cat Wil 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 Wilson Cathel, who was yeah. born in 1930, um, because he was 40 in 1970. I'll bet you know, and Cathel's a Cathel's a name, so I'll, I'll one, I'll, I wonder if uh, if he went on to be like this, like like hard nosed. <laughs> can we can we reenact like you know like have the 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 document the historical document that was in the daily times and 
reenact it on on the corner in front of the Atlantic Hotel, which is where I imagine it would have happened. Yeah, yeah, or down by the hardware store or whatever the hardware store is now. But I love that this is a, this is a lighthearted thing that just reads like child abuse, just like every way I. I <laughs> Everything I tell I did to my children reads like child abuse as well. So I mean, I'm not looking down my nose. Right, um, right. But like the idea of I, I I saw another comedian who said, you know, he was talking about this very thing, how they're like people were hardier back in the day. Um, and you know, like an eight-year-old being in charge of chopping all the wood for for his house. That seems that seems, you know, that seems excessive, but you know, his response is, well, if I could travel back in time, I would give one of them a four loco and see how that <laughs> see how that worked out. Have a big Mac, see how goddamn hardy you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And last yeah. but not least, because I can't end the day without racism. Um <laughs> seventeen hundred and thirty-five enter for Worcester Meat. Berlin, Maryland, April 28th. A total of 1,735 athletes from the Worcester County Public Schools for White Students are entered in the 23rd oh track meet. Uh, the field will meet, and it goes on. But I love that they referred to it as the uh, as the school for white students because there was, <laughs> you know, as also a school for black Asian. students, and they right. weren't invited weirdly they didn't want any of the black kids at the at the uh, track and field meet right uh, right I, I don't know why <laughs> yeah i they do were know just, they were just being uh newsworthy by making the distinction uh because otherwise you know people back then would have been confused as to a uh as as to as to who the race was in between. Yes, yes. So that'll do that'll do it for the news for this week. We'll pick up on. I have a good peach story, but I want to share it. I save it because it's older, and I also want to see if I can find out um, anything about Wilson Cathal if I have the time, energy, and inclination once this show is over. Now, you know, a lot of times during the show, I'm like, and I'm going to do this and that and the other thing, and I hang up yeah. and I'm like, I got to get back to work, and then the next thing I know, it's Tuesday afternoon, and I right. have to get ready for tomorrow's show, and I'm like, ah. So we'll see. Um, but for now, we'll we'll say that I'm out of stuff. How about you? Uh, I got nothing. All right. Well, remember, until next time at the beach. It's happy hour whenever you say it is.